0: Welcome to the Real Freedom Podcast, where we inspire you to pursue your passion to gain time and financial freedom through opportunities in real estate. I'm your host, Mike Swenson. Let's get some real freedom together. Welcome, everybody. We've got another exciting show for you here on the Real Freedom Podcast. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about house hacking, um, short-term rentals, Um, investing out of state. And we've got Jack all here, and he's ready to share with us his house hacking. And then in addition, he was formerly um, an actuary and he does some sports betting. So we're going to talk about that a little bit too, and talk about how he's building wealth through these different avenues and opportunities in real estate and a little bit outside of real estate as well. So welcome, Jack. We're so excited to have you. Why don't you just share a little bit more? Thanks so much for having me, Mike.
1: Um, so, I, I grew up in a very small town in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about 100 miles north of Detroit. So, I was comfortable with that area. And I, I moved down to Charlotte, North Carolina in 2015 to get out of the cold. Yep. And when, when I first moved to Charlotte, it, it was very tough, tough for me in terms of my social network. I didn't know anyone. And I unfortunately lost my job at the end of 2016. I mm-hmm. was having trouble keeping balance in my life. And I, it was kind of my bottom. And I, I really tried to revamp my life. I, I started reading a ton. Mm-hmm. I took what I call my my roots trip where I went to see where my grandparents grew up in Europe, in Poland, Hungary. I actually met my, my now wife on that trip, oddly enough, and started reading a lot. And I said, as soon as I get another job, I'm going to buy a house and rent out the rooms. So I feel a little more stable and a little more robust in my life. Mm -hmm. So if I do lose a job again, I'm a little, I'm more ready. Mm -hmm. Um, And and luckily when I did lose my job, I was only paying about five fifty in rent. Uh, Right. When I moved to Charlotte, I was paying about 1300 and realized I was studying so much for the actuarial exams. It wasn't really worth it. So I, I downgraded. And then that's kind of what a house hack is. Um, it's, it's, it's great if you're studying a lot or rarely at home or you're rarely, you know, around. So,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, I got into house hacking that way and I really liked what, what I was learning. I, I loved reading on real estate. I got really into the bigger pockets podcast initially mm-hmm. and just started learning about different strategies and the strategy that I employed to get some properties in Michigan by where I grew up was I was trying to tap into different property managers and their client list. And I would just cold call these property managers and ask if any of their clients need to offload any properties. And this went on for a few months before I started hearing um, some positive feedback and there was a couple that was going through a divorce that sounded like they needed to get rid of some properties. Mm-hmm. And this property manager uh, didn't have any takers so far. And I felt like I got a good deal on um, two single families in a three unit from the same couple. Mm-hmm. And that, that's kind of what what set me off. And uh, it's been a very good deal thus far. A couple couple things i that were unexpected I had to put a roof on almost immediately because no one would give me insurance yeah so that was that was a uh, you know landlording 101 lesson there and yeah so I, I it's been an interesting ride so far still yeah. still new to it
0: and two, just to, I mean, we'll touch into this a little bit deeper here, but now you're sitting at, you know, as, as of the time of the recording, um, you haven't yet acquired your 13th. By the time this episode airs, you will have acquired your 13th. And so you've got your, your one unit in North Carolina, you've got 10 units in Michigan. It's two single families and then a three unit and then a seven unit. So that's all in Michigan. And then your last one that we'll talk about too is a short-term rental in Myrtle Beach. Yep. So, so up to 13 units here um, over the past three years. And uh, that's, that's certainly a, a quick growing portfolio. And I know lots of people would love to be at 13, And a lot of people in real estate, you know, this is where I kind of go back to people that are in real estate full time would love to be in your shoes and they have all the knowledge, wisdom, experience, and connections that they need. And they don't because they're too afraid to take the leap. (laughs) And so you're somebody that. Came in outside of real estate. You weren't afraid to make the leap, and look what you can do in in the course of three years. So let's let's touch on the topic quick about the house hack. So let's start there in North Carolina. So you had mentioned about you know wanting to add some additional income. You know, kind of cut cut your living expenses and, and have somebody else, um, you know, help with that. So what what property did you identify, or what what was it about that property where you're like, okay, this is where I'm going all in on a house hack.
1: Um, so there were a couple things, I mean, just as a renter, like what would I find attractive in a property? Um, and I, I really liked going to the pools in uptown uh, mm-hmm. Charlotte. And so it, it wasn't like a must, but I was kind of open to the idea. And, and a lot of people were saying like avoid pools at all costs if you're a landlord. But yeah. if I was going to be living there, I, I would want a pool. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of one thing I had in my mind. And this house that I picked did have a pool, and it was it was a split-level home, really kind of four different levels, and it felt very much like each person would have their own living space. Mm-hmm. So, the master bedroom was at the very top. There was two other rooms that shared a bathroom, and then a study room that was on a an, an even lower level that had its own bathroom. And it just felt like... The common areas were very nice that if we wanted to see each other, that would accommodate it. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, it gave the privacy that I think a lot of people would want. And I thought I would be catering to slightly older people in the sense that I was a little further out of the uptown. Mm -hmm. So I I thought maybe like mid-20s, early 30s um, or upper 30s Mm -hmm. people I would be getting. I wasn't quite sure at the time, but it just felt like um, you could have privacy if you wanted. It, and that that's kind of what I liked about
0: this house. Yep. And then you rented it out by the room, right? Co- correct. And, and how did you find folks? Ah, so I found folks
1: on Craigslist. There was an app called Roomster I used initially. I kind of veered away from that just because I think it was costing to send over a certain number of messages per week. I think, so Mm -hmm. I I I did a lot of Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace. Um, But yeah, that that's how I found people.
0: Okay, so then you you filled in the other rooms. Now the property itself did it need a lot of work or was it kind of okay as is? Um,
1: The so this this property was about to go into foreclosure. The only thing. I think it looked a lot worse than it actually was. The the pool was like totally black, mm-hmm. but it's really, it really just looks bad. It's really not that hard to fix. Mm-hmm. I, and, and I ended up clean doing, I knew nothing about pools, but I mm-hmm. ended up doing the pool cleanings for the first about a, two years, I think. Mm-hmm. And th- then I found some, a, a reliable service that would come each week in the summer months and clean it. Um, Mm -hmm. but, but the, the, the pool is the biggest thing that needed to work. And I did the other thing I thought that would help people feel comfortable living in a house, possibly with strangers was I added, uh, locks on each door. So if Mm -hmm. they wanted to lock the doors, they, they would have that option.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's such a, such a genius opportunity. And obviously, you know, part of it is is season of life, right? You know, it's, it's easier when, uh, not married and don't have kids to be able to do that. But at the same time, you also have to look at, um, what are my goals for the future? And, you know, even if you do have a family and kids, it's like, Hey, is there one room that you could rent out or something like that? Because that really helps with your mortgage. So I would imagine on, on your case with, so you had four bedrooms total, right? So you're renting out three rooms.
1: Yep. At the, at the peak, my, Principal interest, taxes, and insurance. And I had this on a, I had refied about a year in, I think, to get the private mortgage insurance off mm-hmm. and switch from a 30-year to a 15-year. And the the payment was actually about the same after getting the PMI removed. Mm-hmm. So my total payment was about 2200 and the rents were about 2300
0: mm-hmm. When so you're all you're living three there were for rented. free and still collecting more than what you're paying out. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's a, a fantastic example of a great way to get started. So if it's somebody listening to this episode and they're like, hey, what do I do? right there. That's that's about, about as great of an example of what you can do to really launch the rest of your kind of real estate career here um, as an investor. So, okay. So now you've got that. So I know you had, had told us a little bit that you were calling property managers. So now, um, you know, what what prompted you to, to go get that, those additional units? And then what helped you to land on the strategy of let's go call property managers in Michigan. Now, I know you lived in Michigan, but why not call call folks in North Carolina?
1: Mm-hmm. So, I it, it started with just listening to a lot of podcasts and kind of compiling all the different strategies. I mean, it's kind of overwhelming and you're also listening to people that have done it for years. So, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of... it's, it's overwhelming and somewhat frustrating when you listen to some of these people that are ultra successful. But I I tried to just say like, okay, like what, what did they do initially? And a a lot of it is just taking action. Um, Mm -hmm. Just trying to do a couple things every day, even if it's just one or two phone calls every day. And if you just keep doing it every day, the, the results will come. And at the time in charlotte in 20 even in 2017 there was a lot of construction coming here
2: mm-hmm.
1: and i just felt like the the rent the rent ratios looked like they were not not as great as they originally were and i i mean i i grew up in such a small town i mean it's hard to believe but there are houses that are for like 40 50 grand that seem mm-hmm. perfectly fine
2: mm-hmm. so
1: I mean, I didn't really know a whole lot about the rent rental market or what what you could get in rents. But I just called different property managers and tried to ask them questions about, you know, what are the your typical rents right now? And um, how many units do you have just mm-hmm. to get a sense of what, what the business was like there? And I I think it was kind of just a comfort thing. I mean, th- there really is no reason I didn't call places around here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think some of the things on these podcasts was or were that the long distance landlord is possible. You just it's really the the property manager. You have to find a good property manager that you trust, mm-hmm. and that can do the job for you.
0: <laughs> yeah. So so you're calling around. You you finally identify this this family that's going through a divorce and they've got these properties to sell. Um, how do you go about, you know, getting a mortgage for that? And then kind of what are those first few steps? And I, I think it's so helpful. Like I like walking through this with you because anybody listening is asking all these same questions. Yep. Like, yeah, I get it. You know, like you house hacked your first one, but how did, how did you do that? How did you get the, how did you get the mortgage? What did, you know, how did you build those, those connections? So, yeah. So what, what were those next steps for you there?
1: Yeah. So, so, it, it sounds crazy. In regist- I mean, this is probably the best, it might be the best deal I'll ever do, but I got all the two single families in the three unit for 60 grand.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I was trying to raise money through conventional banks, but they, they they were saying like, well, you don't have a track record yep, and th- things like that. So, and, and if I hadn't have listened to the podcast and stuff, I probably would have quit right after that. But then I asked, the former owners, would you be interested in seller financing this? Mm -hmm. And I'll pay you a higher interest rate. I think I got my, my house was originally financed at like three and a half percent. And I offered them 6%, I think. Mm -hmm. And so I got them to finance 40,000. And then I raised another 15 from my brother and a friend. Mm -hmm. So I was in for uh, five grand and Um, that, that's how I financed that deal. Um, and I, I tried to, I I actually was studying so much for the actuarial exams and I had some extra cash that I I tried to just pay it down because I, I didn't, I I wasn't doing any other deal. So I just figure uh, I'll Mm -hmm. just pay it down as quickly as I can. And I basically locking in a 6% return on that money.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so now did those properties have tenants in them already or are they vacant?
1: They were all rented. I did have that first year I had two evictions in the three unit. Okay. Um, so I, I did it. We did have to go through that. But in the, um, I, th- I think I'm now at th- three or four evictions total on those since the end of 2018. So it's, it's been pretty good on those five units.
0: And now the the property manager that put you in touch with those people, is that the property manager that you're currently using? I,
1: I am. I just, yeah, it was a smooth transition. He already knew the properties. He had been managing them, I think, four or five years prior to me getting them. And I just decided well, why not continue using him. Plus, he he was the one that facilitated the deal for me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, for those folks that are are wondering, how long did it take making those calls? so from from day one where you're like, "I'm gonna go get another property to, "Hey, now I found these properties and I have this sweet deal <laughs> that uh-huh. sounds too good to be true in hindsight. what what was the work that you had to go through to get there? i was
1: I was trying to do just take little action every day, just a couple calls. Mm-hmm. and I was probably rotating between I think it was like four or five property managers in that general area. Mm-hmm. And I would say, really, a- after about two months, the- this property manager came back and said, I-, "I think I might have something for you." Actually,
2: mm-hmm. and so your was message was months.
0: just who's who's somebody that might need help. Uh, okay, you know, yeah, who, yeah, yeah, interested in selling. Yeah, for
1: for any, any type of reason. Um, yeah, that that was just what I was asking. I mean, initially when I was calling the property managers, it was more just trying to get information on the area for rents and kind of how many units they were managing and just to get what they thought of the area.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So then uh so then the 7 unit uh that you got was that the same same type of calls? So that was not. That was
1: actually I mean luckily I was working remotely and I spent some time back up in Michigan so I was actually uh, talking to the same realtor though, and she was uh, meeting up with me during my lunch hours to look at properties.
0: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And then, similarly, you know, how did the financing work out for that one? So that one, I actually went convention. I, I
1: met with a bank, and-, and and at this point, I had already paid down.
0: You had a the, lot of equity in the other yeah, properties. In the other
1: properties, they were totally paid off, so so that did help. Um, originally I wanted to pull cash out of those also, but they, 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 they didn't feel comfortable with that, but basically I put 25% down on the seven unit and I actually surrendered, um, one of my former 401ks to let, or get that deal to go through. But I, mm-hmm. that was conventional, um, financing. Mm-hmm. And was that one also occupied? it was it was all occupied unfortunately on that one on the transfer of ownership I, I think it's it sh- it shook up some of the tenants and two of them did move out so okay. and, and we're trying to um, fill one of them still
0: okay, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's fantastic. It's, you know, if you, if you look back, you know, to, to be able to say, okay, over the course of three years, you've acquired 13 units, that's phenomenal. And like you said, it's, it's really just putting in the work every day. And there's going to be a lot of days where you don't see success and what you're really doing is just you're you're kind of chipping down that door and eventually that door is going to open up and you're going to have an opportunity. You're not going to buy, you're going to buy seven unit complexes every single day. And yet at the same time, it's just that little bit of work that leads up to, to doing that where now you can look back and say, Hey, I've got 13 units. Yeah. I think that, I think a lot of people,
1: um, overestimate how much they can do in a day but underestimate what they can do over the long time, on long term.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and now when you look up, so you know if if you go back to, you know, your story where you were fired and to now look up and see where you're at, you've got cash coming in, you've got security, you have assets at your disposal should something happen in the future. And look what you've done over the last couple of years. I mean, that's that's very successful. So congratulations on your ability to, to do that. And you're in a much different position and a, and a different outlook on your financial security um, as a result of that.
1: Absolutely. Um, it definitely gave me more confidence to try to pursue the things I actually want to. And if I hadn't had those properties, there's no chance I would have asked my my uh, my former employer, "Could I just take two months off, unpaid, to go live with my girlfriend at the time in Austria?" And I mm-hmm. ended up doing that a couple of years ago. So it, it really has worked out incredibly well and has opened up a lot of doors.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So let's let's touch a little bit then on on this 13th unit, the short term rental. Um, how did that come to be? and why short-term rental and kind of what's the opportunity that you see from from this potential property?
1: Sure. So, my wife and I were at a wedding about a month and a half ago or so in Hilton Head, South Carolina. And my my wife liked the beach so much, she said, well, why don't we take another beach trip? And I was like, okay, well, I mean, where do you want to go? And Um, she came across Myrtle Beach and I I actually had never been there. It's only about a three hour drive from Charlotte though. So pretty close. Mm -hmm. So we, we took a trip down there and I actually enjoyed it a lot. I I was very shocked. I kind of heard it was like very uh, spring break esque and Mm -hmm. uh, maybe a lower tier version of Charleston. But I, I mean, I, I liked it a lot and we, we looked at a lot of uh, units and they have what are called condo hotels. I had never heard of this before, but they look like hotels on the outside, but you can basically buy a unit in this complex. Mm-hmm. And um, now the place we actually put the offer in it, they take 40% of the gross rents and they pass along the credit card charges to you. Um but and it's 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 very seasonal in Myrtle mm-hmm. Beach the summer and spring months it looked like they can rent between 250 and 350 a night on the weekends and in the winters you might get maybe 200 bucks total for the whole month
2: mm-hmm.
1: so it's very seasonal and we kind of figured this would be a good opportunity to uh get an asset that produces something in the high season and also something we would be able to use in the off season. And we were in, in Myrtle beach in October and we were still going in the ocean. So it seemed like, and it was, it was like a ghost town there. So mm-hmm. I, I was pretty shocked. And so we'll be able to use that in the off season, hopefully a couple of weeks every year now. Yeah. And we we kind of just saw it as a bit of diversification. We, we have a lot of exposure to Michigan and mm-hmm. Charlotte. So kind of just looking to diversify a little.
0: Yeah. And I think that's something that, um, you know, people, people overlook when they're thinking about a short term rental is, you know, a a good idea might be to start and say, where's a place that I would like to go on vacation. And, you know, there's, there's different laws over how much you can stay there. But at the same time, just looking at that's now, if you're going to take the time and go through the hassle of acquiring the asset, why not have it be something that you can enjoy? you know so there there's people that i know that you know they they live out of state and they bought a cabin in northern minnesota which is where a lot of people like to go in the summer and they sell it out in the summer during the busy season. You pick some times, you know, here or there, where maybe there's you've blocked it out, or maybe it's a week that you guys want to stay there. Well, now that's your vacation home, and you've picked a good property, and you're making money off of it. So, you know, why not double dip your your personal interest with your business interest and make money off of a property that you would like to go to? And so, in some ways, it's it sounds so simple, and that's the beauty of the short term rental. Absolutely. And I, I will say though, if, if not for my
1: wife, I would have never thought of even looking in Myrtle Beach. So mm-hmm. d- definitely have a lot to thank her for on this one.
0: Yeah. So as you think about your future then in, in real estate, um, what does that look like for you? Or what are some of the the goals that you have, some of the dreams that you have in terms of whether it's units, whether it's income, whether it's time freedom, you know, what is what does that look like for you now that you've kind of cracked this nut over the last three years?
1: So it's, um, it's funny, uh, a couple of weeks ago, my brother and I had a podcast episode and we, we read the book Black Swan. And mm-hmm. in that book, Taleb kind of talks about how bad uh, humans are predicting into the future. So we thought it would be fun to do a segment on five-year predictions. And mm-hmm. one of the things we discussed were how many like units would we have or what was our goal for the next five years? Mm-hmm. And we both independently, uh, fell, fell on a hundred units. So that's kind of what I had in my mind. I don't, I don't know, but, uh, it, it sounds like a high number to me right now, but at the same time, if I look back four or five years, I didn't think I would be at 13. So yeah. I, I hope hopefully we'll be able to, to figure it out.
0: And it grows like a hockey stick, right? The more, the more leverage you have, the more you can double down on those assets and the more. Equity that you're earning, the more you can use that as as leverage for acquiring more units. Well, let's just talk for a, for a second because I know you do have passions outside of real estate, and so for folks to kind of get to know you a little bit better, um, talk about your kind of sports betting background and and kind of how you got into that.
1: Sure. So, also, I mean, this also was spurred from me losing my job. Mm-hmm. Um, End of 2016, lost my job, had a lot of free time, started reading a ton. And some of the types of books that I read on were soccer books. And I've always been into math and soccer. There was a couple of books. One was called Money in Soccer, the other was called Soccernomics. One of the two authors, Professor Szymanski, actually still teaches in the kinesiology department at the University of Michigan. And I had called him just to tell him how much I liked the book and uh, talking about this, this project I was thinking of doing. So so one of his studies was analyzing what countries used their resources the best. Mm-hmm. So he was looking at um, GDP per capita, the populations of countries, and then also the number of international appearances a country had played in. Mm -hmm. Kind of like to capture the culture, how much they care about soccer. And and you would think, you know, higher population, they would be better at soccer, higher, or at least not a very low GDP, you'd probably be a little better. Mm -hmm. And so they were, he was looking at those three factors to predict goal differential. And so I I, I was started thinking, well, okay, that's very interesting that he, he, tried to do a regression on those variables to predict that. But what if we took it a step further and said, okay, if, if a matchup were actually predicted to be, you know, a half goal difference, well, all those matchups where there's about a half goal projected difference, how often did that team actually win versus tie versus lose? Mm -hmm. And so I started looking at different variables. I started with what, Professor Szymanski kind of gave me, he he gave me all of his, uh, sources. So that was very nice of him. Mm -hmm. And I started looking at actually the, the FIFA rankings, thought that was a good indicator and then home field advantage. So I, I recorded like, I think it was about 2000 games, um, from 2006 up until the 2018 world cup. Mm -hmm. And Uh, just started doing a lot of regression to see those predicted goal differences and trying to put them more into probabilities. And then I would translate my predicted probabilities with what like Las Vegas or other sports books were offering Mm -hmm. and just try to bet on the ones that I thought were a good value. And Mm -hmm. um, we did actually, we did bet on France winning Unfortunately, we ended up losing a little bit money overall. And when I started trying to analyze where I might have gone wrong, and and it seems like it was more the allocation because it Mm -hmm. it was kind of just okay. This is a good value. This is a bad value. But I wasn't really disciplined in how I was allocating the money, and that Mm -hmm. transformed into my post analysis and the book "Make Better Bets," which Mm -hmm. is now on Amazon. Mm -hmm.
0: That's awesome. And, and, you know, kind of going back to, you know, when we, when we talk about building freedom to do what you want, how you want, when you want, um, it's fun that you get to dig, you know, dig and spend a lot of time into what you like, which is math, sports betting, soccer, um, you know, and then also real estate. So it's it's about building that life and and you get a choice to be able to spend your time how you want to spend it as the result of what you've done on the real estate side. So I think that's just a great example of showing how you can can do what you love and live a life that you want to live versus previously, you know, working a job that may or may not have given you what you wanted and at the end it ended up not working out and, and look at what happens if you're with your life as a result of that. Absolutely. Thanks so much for you know spending the time going through things with us. So so Jack, for folks that want to learn more about you and your story, how can they learn and, and get a hold of you? Sure. I, I do have a blog called Fire
1: to Fire. Um, I think I'm the only Jack all while on LinkedIn, so feel <laughs> free to reach out to me there. Yep. And have a couple books on Amazon and uh my podcast with my brother is about a year old. We have about 20 episodes so far. And that's called the Brothers on Books Podcast. And mm-hmm. we, we just read nonfiction and discuss it. It's been, been a fun passion project. So uh, that's where they can find me.
0: Awesome. Well thanks so much for coming on. Uh, appreciate your time. Appreciate you telling your story. And and what I love about it, you know, is is yeah, you you came into real estate with no formal education and training. And you're able to just take action. And like you said, read books, listen to podcasts, Um, that combined with action will outweigh somebody who just paralysis by analysis, spends time thinking about thinking about getting ready and not doing anything. And so here you sit 13 units later as a result of learning an action versus somebody who doesn't. So um, congratulations on that and look forward to seeing your future successes.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Mike.
0: All right